0: katie
1: welcome to have you ever heard of a history podcast
0: where we talk about people from history you may or may not have heard of
1: how are you doing
0: good not too bad all right progressively getting worse
1: (laughs) i feel like this section has gotten really boring because no one's doing anything exciting i have nothing to report i haven't seen any new films i haven't watched that much exciting stuff on television (laughs) nothing in the world has happened apart from trump being trumpy again (laughs) so what are we going to talk about
0: telling people to take malaria medication i guess you like yeah that's such a crazy idea i I remember i bought when i went traveling i bought uh, malaria medication then didn't take it because people were like yeah it will just ruin your entire trip which means you you hallucinate you're like have heart palpitations Everything will go really wrong.
1: If it was hallucinating, that would explain a lot.
0: Yeah, or oh, he probably is hallucinating, <laughs> um, to be fair.
1: But I think the problem is with him taking this medication is that the people that actually need it, it's for malaria and I think arthritis as well.
0: Oh, Or right. something.
1: The people that need the medication aren't getting it because yeah. people are taking it because they think it will prevent coronavirus, which it won't.
0: We're in a pretty, like, shitty place now, aren't we, as a as a human race i mean when he <laughs> when he said that that people should try injecting bleach or whatever people actually people did it people actually did it they were cool didn't someone die that go. i think so yeah it was like calls into like the whatever it's like the i don't know the poison department that's not a thing but whatever it's called <laughs> like increased by like a hundredfold or something ridiculous like that <laughs> like we're in bad, um,
1: I harry potter yeah <laughs> talked about on the news
0: i can't remember what they said it, said it was cool now
1: oh I, i'm just gonna <laughs> be calling it the poison department did you see i can't remember who it was one of the like chief physicians in this country who said on the 30th of february he said we did that on the 30th of february and everyone was like hang on a second the thirtieth of February, which doesn't exist <laughs> and never exists.
0: Foolish man.
1: No, oh dude. Everyone's gone crazy. Yeah. Though today I did something fantastic. I just came back from seeing my cousin. We had a social distancing walk in the park. Oh nice.
0: We had to just shout at each other across like... We were
1: like, uh, yeah, I put I put the snacks in the middle and she put the, the gin in the middle and we both uh partook. It was Oh nice. very nice. She's one of the people that I see the most in my life, and it's been like three months, so I was like, it's your face!
0: <laughs> Gin in the park. That sounds lush.
1: Yeah, it was good, but it's so hot, I'm bright red right now, everyone, <laughs> if you want to imagine my glorious red face.
0: Oh, one thing we didn't talk about last week, guys, I was meaning to bring up, is uh, the reaction to VE Day.
1: What, which reaction?
0: So... Obviously, like it's kind of like a celebration for like the end of World War Two, which ostensibly is a celebration of like the defeat of like fascism. Yeah. However, a lot of people on the left uh, are now saying that that's silly because it's just being hijacked. People who you would think you would think would want to celebrate it don't want to celebrate it because they think that it's been hijacked by by right wing conservatives and nationalists. So it's turned into quite an interesting spat.
1: I think. <laughs> be, be day spat. I, um, I wrote a blog last year about the poppy and how the mm-hmm. poppy's kind of lost a lot of meaning. Yeah. Because it's become a kind of like, who can wear the most ostentatious poppy? Yeah, absolutely. Who can spend the most money on giving money to the Royal British Legion mm. on the poppy? Which wasn't even an English idea to start with. Yeah, and you know those really expensive ones that they put outside the um uh, outside the Tower of London, which you could buy. Oh yeah, yeah, and they cost lots of money. Like people selling them on eBay for like thousand pounds, and it's like that's not what it's for. If you yeah. you've lost all meaning, like yeah,
0: scalping poppies on eBay, that's pretty.
1: Yeah, it's ridiculous. I I wear a white poppy myself. So we
0: yeah, what is this an interesting one though? Because that was like the last of the old school wars, wasn't
1: it? yeah I mean it was like an old school turning into what we would call war now, yeah, because they still had like the cavalry, for example, yeah. but they also had trenches and you know guns, yeah.
0: <laughs> but politically speaking, it was just like a dynastic war about empires and proper like old school control of territory as opposed to like well it became i guess i guess war became more about ideas after that, as opposed to. Kings wanting some more land for themselves.
1: <laughs> yeah, I miss the days when wars were just about kings.
0: <laughs> so yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know where I stand
1: on it really. I mean, I stand on it being a pointless war.
0: I <laughs> know, oh, I mean, VE Day.
1: <laughs> oh, VE Day. Yeah. What the one thing that annoyed me was that I saw loads of people like having like social distancing street parties.
0: Yeah, that was a bit ridiculous. People
1: can't have more than ten people at a funeral. Yeah. And you guys are doing this. Is this just an excuse? Yeah. There's no way that you feel all feel this strongly about V Day. Yeah, absolutely. That you can't wait until next year. I know it's like a significant milestone. It is a significant milestone. But you know, there's other things you could do to commemorate it. There are films you could watch. There are books yeah. you could watch. Books you could watch. There are books <laughs> you could read. There's television programs that you can watch. Yeah. And. You know, there's lots of things going on online. If you want to commemorate the E Day, one of the best things you could do is go online and learn about it. Learn about it properly. Learn about the war. Learn about the consequences. Learn about what she went on. Yeah. Actually, one thing you could do is you could go onto YouTube and my um, good friend of my parents, uh, Mike Myers, not the Mike Myers, (laughs) a different (laughs) Mike Myers. Here's a one-man show about conscientious objectors where he pays 47 people um, to do a conscientious objectors. It's called This Evil Thing, and he put the whole thing on YouTube to commemorate VE Day. And its oh, nice. I've seen it live. It's a brilliant show. If you want to learn about something different to do with Level one, go online and learn about conscientious objectors. Watch This Evil Thing on YouTube. It's really, really wonderful. I'll have to check that out.
0: Oh, wow, he probably Ale- Alec
1: guinness it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He uh, recorded it on his iPhone, so a little bit different.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's an
1: interesting one. Obviously,
0: like V-Day is different to v- V-J-Day as well. I wonder how that's going to be celebrated, because it absolutely should not be celebrated.
1: I mean, V-J-Day, or D-Day, as we call it. Yeah, D-Day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: the returning of co- colonies to their f- f- former colonial masters isn't really something that needs to be celebrated, I don't think.
1: Well, I think we should just bring back Empire Day. Why did we get rid of it? I mean, it's just such a wonderful idea, Empire Day. When should we have it? Let's just celebrate it together in the park. Empire that would Day. be ironic. That would be ironic, wouldn't it?
0: That would be mega ironic. We'd have to just wear like scarlet jackets and bust up <laughs> pith helmets.
1: Empire Day. <laughs> well, what would we be celebrating? Gibraltar. That's like the one thing <laughs> the we Folklands. have left. <laughs> Yay! (gasps)
0: So many people died over that little bit of rock. It's quite crazy, isn't it? So recently. Madness. So, who's your person this week?
1: Dan. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever heard of Richard Owen? I have not. Okay, I know it's quite a generic name, so you might be thinking... (laughs) I
0: might have heard of a Richard Owen. Probably.
1: Um... (laughs) Okay, so my person isn't, like, a super famous person, but he is famous for doing one specific thing, and there's other things around him which are very interesting. So, um, Richard Owen is best known for being an English biologist and paleontologist. Ah. He's not a dinosaur hunter, which is... I will at some point do a dinosaur hunter. He is more on, like, the research side of the dinosaur world.
0: Hang on. How... A dinosaur hunter? How is that a thing?
1: He's not a dinosaur hunter. There are <laughs> they were dinosaur hunters back in the day. Um and I will do one of them at some point. Yeah. But he's more just a paleontologist and biologist. But dinosaur hunters, they're more people would collect dinosaur bones and fossils and they would go out and like try and sell them to people.
0: So not like a caveman who
1: Oh no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hunts down dinosaurs in the club.
1: Not like literal dinosaur hunters. So, I mean, that's like my absolute dream, is to actually be around a dinosaur. <laughs>
0: Did you ever play Turok back in the day? No, it's a
1: dinosaur game.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was like Dinosaur Hunter. It was great. Oh my
1: gosh, I need that. On N64. <laughs> I have it N64 somewhere. Nice. Okay, so, Richard Owen is a pretty controversial character, but he's good with fossils. So, there you go. Richard Owen was born in Lancaster in eighteen oh four. So we're going back okay. to the eighteen hundreds. He his father was a West Indian merchant and his mother was a descendant of the Huguenots. And he was one of six children.
0: A high ranking family.
1: Yeah, high ranking family. Um he was educated at grammar school. He apprenticed at a local surgery and apothecary. And then in eighteen twenty four he started to study medicine at the University of Edinburgh. And then he moved from Edinburgh to London to finish it at St. Bartholomew's Hospital, which is still there in London. So he started off wanting to be a doctor, basically. So very good at science, interested in science. His first ever job after uni was an assistant to William Clift, who was the conservator at the Royal College of Surgeons. So the Royal College of Surgeons still exists. Mm -hmm. And he was like a conservator as opposed to a doctor, and that's when he started, this is when Richard Owen started to decide to be, like, into research instead of a doctor. okay. So that's how he got into research. Uh, a year after he started there, in 1835, he married William Clift's daughter, Caroline oh. Amelia Clift. Um, and had a son, William Owen. So that was his little family, just him, his wife and his son. And he stayed married to her for the rest of her life. He outlived her. And um, so he also loved his son, sadly.
0: Oh, no way.
1: So basically, the way that I need to talk about Richard Owen is I'm going to talk about his career first because he had like basically one job. We had a couple of jobs, but there was one that he did like for his whole life.
0: Mm-hmm. And then
1: what I'll do is I'll talk about his research and what he discovered and stuff like that. Cool. So in 1836, the year after he got married, he was appointed as the. Hunterian professor at the Royal College of Surgeons, and then in 1849 he succeeded Clift as the conservator. So he stayed there until... say, so in 1856 he became the superintendent of the Natural History Department in the British Museum.
0: Ah. So this time... When
1: was that opened then? Oh, it was like really early. It's the... The British Museum is the oldest museum in the country. Yeah, um, I think it was... 1850s so like he's this is quite early in the british museum career but um yeah it's the oldest museum in the country but then basically owen's work and his work in the natural history department led to the british museum moving their whole collection of natural history to south kensington and that became the natural history museum
0: Ah, so he's like the Godfather.
1: Yeah, he's like the guy that created the Natural History <laughs> Museum. Um, he was basically after that he was whatever you call it the head of the Natural History Museum until he was seventy nine years old when he retired. So f- for like, so that was
0: his own little like fiefdom. Ever
1: basically. Um. Okay. So his work. Um. Early on in his career, he made extensive studies into things to do with invertebrates. So first of all, he started looking at teeth, and he published a book on um, teeth, which is called um, Octonography. <laughs> there are so many words in this that I'm not going to be able to pronounce. I'm so <laughs> sorry, everyone. But here we go. Basically, he discovered and described the very complex structure of teeth in certain e- extinct animals. So okay. his work was with fossils. And he was the first person to kind of say this extinct animal had this kind of teeth, or this extinct animal had this kind of teeth.
0: Kind of like working out what they ate and stuff. Yeah, like diet and stuff. Or just
1: exactly, it will help with diet. It will help yeah, yeah. with yeah, whether they were carnivores or herbivores, and also it will help yeah with like hunting and stuff, and yeah. just generally to t- t- teeth can tell you like so much. They can yeah. tell you how old someone is. They can tell you. Because everyone has different teeth, it's almost like a fingerprint.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, dental records. Yeah, <laughs> stuff,
1: Yeah, us in the tr- <laughs> every us in the um, true crime world. Um, <laughs> they're obsessed with true crime. Know that teeth are what everyone needs.
0: So would he only be hunting down like teeth? So like, if he found like a full skeleton, he'd just be like. I'm going to take these teeth. And no. then they'll be like, Do you want to see the rest of it? He's like, No, I don't I need it. Just the teeth. Just the teeth.
1: <laughs> There's more. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> so he was also working on other fossils. And during the 1880s, he published a work on a group of Mesozoic land reptiles and co- coined the term dinosauria, meaning terrible lizard. So this is the guy that oh. came up with the word dinosaur. And that's what he's most famous for. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's not a bad thing to be famous for, though.
1: Yeah, I love that it's called Terrible Lizard. He was like, you know what? He looks like a lizard. Terrible lizard. Um, he
0: you... though actually a bird. Apparently,
1: oh, it might have had feathers. Had, actually, have. there was I listened to it in our time recently about feathered dinosaurs. Yeah, so could have had feathers. But hey, I don't think Richard Owen would agree with that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> a lot less kind of like intimidating as well. If, like Jurassic Park had. Feathered dinosaurs. It's just like
1: giant chickens.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's quite a lot less intimidating.
1: <laughs> uh, I would find them really intimidating. I don't like birds. <laughs> really? No, I have a terrible, horrific fear of birds. <laughs> but they're so
0: harmless and, I don't know, scattered. Have you ever been
1: chased by a geese?
0: Oh, yeah, I did I did cry when I was a child when I was chased by a ge- goose. A goose?
1: goose. A geese? <laughs> what... A geese. Um
0: I there's a picture of me hiding behind my dad's leg Aww. from a from a goose. <laughs> I guess a little tiny child.
1: <laughs> well, there you go. Then you see that fear has stayed with me.
0: I suppose the birds pretty freaky. <laughs> the film, the book. Yes, yeah, see, straight If they did turn against us, it would be pretty awful.
1: Exactly, and they can <laughs> fly. Didn't think of that, did you? Which is
0: everyone's, which is like every sensible person's dream superpower. Obviously,
1: time travel. Come on, you two really? time travel over flying.
0: I suppose so. Yeah. I don't yeah, I wouldn't consider that like a superpower, but I guess it would be like Okay,
1: this is a sidebar, but if you had time travel expert, if you had time travel and you could only see one thing, what would it be? You've gotta have thought about this before. There's no way you're a historian I... and haven't thought about this.
0: <laughs> I've had many, uh I can never come up with like one like obviously because like it's my area of expertise like seeing the great east asia conference would be great but since i still can't speak very good japanese i'll just be a bit lost <laughs> i'll be like this is cool i don't know what saying it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you'll just be like <laughs> though
0: some of it was a lot of it was actually in english so
1: obviously if we had time travel we could probably speak every language too like yeah. there'll be some yeah, sort yeah. of device Yeah, mine is really grim and this is so grim but it has to be the one if I only had one thing, I'd go back and see the beheading of Charles I
0: oh wow, yeah that would be quite.
1: I mean it's just like the only monarch that's ever been executed unless yeah. you count Anne Boleyn and, yeah, and okay, if we're that's... counting Amberley and we're ca- counting Catherine Howard too, but yeah, yeah, yeah. like, you know.
0: They're not like the leading
1: monarch. Yeah, though, not the reigning monarch. But... Anyway, I just yeah. think it would be such an experience. Anyway, that was a big sidebar.
0: <laughs> Actually, the place I would go to is not like an event, but I just go to the Old West. Yeah. So I just think it would be quite. Oh, am I just to go back there and just live there for a bit, just ride around on a horse?
1: Yeah, I'd want to go back and like <laughs> see Roman streets and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. That would be cool. <laughs> so this is why I'd have time travel no one would be bored in lockdown I could just go through my time travel door and um, yeah go and walk around in London town and the Dickensian London or something
0: that would make holiday so much better just a holiday I'm going to go on holiday to ancient China see you there guys
1: <laughs> it would be so good <laughs> I need to write this book um, I'm sure there is a book where people just go on holiday <laughs> anyway back to Richard Owen So, Richstone has just coined the term dinosaur. Um, he decided that there were three types of dinosaurs. There were the carnivorous Megalosaurus. There was the herbivore Iguanodon, and there was the armored Hylaeosaurus. I am so sorry (laughs) to any paleontologists listening because I'm sure I pronounced that wrong. (laughs) Um, so he was working with a guy called Benjamin Waterhouse Hawkins, and this guy helped him make the first life-size sculptures depicting what dinosaurs might have looked like. So these two guys did that. How did they do like what did they base that on? Massive fossils.
0: <laughs> Huge ass fossils. Because <laughs> obviously like now they're like there's a lot sort of like dispute as to like what they look like.
1: Yeah, previous to so... this there were fossils. Like and <laughs> and dinosaur bones. It's not like this is the first guy to to have dinosaur bones. We just didn't know yeah. that they were dinosaurs because we didn't have a name for it. Mm-hmm. He's just the guy that came up with the name for it. And they just yeah. said they were, there are animals. They were just like, here's a big ass animal. Mm-hmm. And he came up with a term to encapsulate these animals, basically. Yeah. Um, but this isn't the first dinosaurs we've had. I know that you say there's a lot of dispute about what they were, they look like, and that is definitely true, especially now mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. In the In the paleontology world... Like for example, there's a a book that I've got which is called Too Big to Walk
0: yeah. and it's
1: about um this microbiologist wrote it and it's about how he thinks that basically you're getting dinosaurs wrong and because yeah. everyone says that their tail would be this way, but the yeah. amount of food that they'd need to eat to keep their tail up is too much for them to process. So actually the tail would be, so on, the be on the floor. So just be dragging
0: them after. Oh, and wow. so that's
1: like small things that it's like, yeah. you, I never thought of that before, but actually it makes so much sense now you say it. That, wouldn't that be really uncomfortable,
0: though, just dragging your tail along the floor? Surely that'd just be like I mean, constant wounds.
1: Yeah, I mean, these are dinosaurs. I don't think they're designed for comfort, are they?
0: Yeah, true. But is that, so, so did not they basically just kind of like, like find, find these fossils and be like, yeah, that kind of looks like a lizard. I yeah. reckon it must just look basically like a lizard. Yeah, I
1: just call them terrible lizards because they're huge. Yeah. yeah, I mean, people put dinosaurs down a lot and say, you know, oh, but they died out, so they can't be that good. Dinosaur is almost like a derogatory term now, like, oh, you're such a dinosaur. But actually, yeah. you should take that as a as a compliment because dinosaurs are the most successful animals that have ever lived. Like, I think about how long yeah, they lived for.
0: So the key is to not get too smart. Don't get too big for your boots.
1: Exactly. Anyway, back to Richard again. <laughs> so, these sculptures that were made of dinosaurs, um, some were originally meant for the Great Exhibition in 1851, but they actually ended up, um, 33 of them, that's quite a lot, thinking about,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, dinosaurs, actually um, ended up at Crystal Palace, when Crystal Palace was moved from where it was to Sydenham, in South East mm. London. So... That's where they ended up. Okay, so that was his work on invertebrate. But he did also work on mammals as well. So you were talking about, mm. was it just fossils? No, definitely wasn't. It was also bones and carcasses. So Owen, being the top guy at the top museum, he had first right of refusal for carcasses that were dead from London Zoo. So if an animal died, they had to call up Richard Owen and be like, Do you want this animal carcass? before we <laughs> offer it up to, you know, someone else or to be eaten by lions or whatever. Um, apparently one time his wife found a whole carcass of a rhino in her front hallway. <laughs> like <laughs> waiting to come home to <laughs> waiting to be dissected. <laughs> Um, Richard Owen made very significant contributions to the work on motramines, marsupials and apes but however he mainly worked on extinct animals mm-hmm. so he was the first person to give the first description and evidence for a hoofed extinct animal and also recognised the giant armadillo and the first false killer whale and also at the same time he was working on Sir Thomas Mitchell's collection of Australian fossils, and he printed a book in 1877 describing, and I'm gonna get this wrong again, but Diprotodon and the Thylacateco, which are basically a giant kangaroo and a giant wombat.
0: Oh wow! Yeah,
1: so that's kind of cool. he was really into big extinct animals. <laughs> <laughs> um. So that was pretty cool. In 1844, he published his History of British Fossil Animals and Birds.
0: That's kind of interesting about the musupial thing. Because obviously, would have this been uh, before or after the 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 continent split into what it is now? Pangea, whatever it was called.
1: Well, you mean like his fossils, where did they come from?
0: So like the giant kangaroos, would they have been around before or after... Oh. When did when did Pantia I mean, split? these were I, Australian sure. fossils. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, it could have been either time. I have no idea yeah. about when these fossils were from, but I'll be sure to look it up. <laughs> um, so if we if we are good historians and scientists, we will know that eighteen fifties to eighteen eighties, there was something massive going on in science. And one of those massive things going on in science was Darwinism.
0: Oh yeah, good old Darwin.
1: Also eugenics, but that's a different um, kettle of fish. So, sometime in the 1840s, Owen came the conclusion that species arose from evolution mm-hmm. um we don't really know like when In-
0: independently of uh, darwin or did he just go oh i like that idea i'm gonna wow well...
1: gonna... <laughs> <laughs> basically he thought there was some kind of transmutation it was like the most likely thing yeah. um however he got a lot of like public criticism so like for example when the manchester spectator went off at him for going away from the idea of god the creator and going towards science, so he got a lot of public um outcry and he kind of backed yeah. away from this idea. Um, uh, but okay. then he did start to use his fossils to demonstrate certain things to do with evolution. So yeah. he it was the first person to demonstrate from fossils an evolutionary sequence for horses. So it's not, it's I not, not humans, hostile. but you know, it's there. Yeah, yeah. Um, however. He wasn't a hundred percent convinced that we were evolved from apes, and trying to try to disprove this by saying that humans had a much larger brain for their bodies than apes do. Mm-hmm. But he did think that Darwin's Origin of Species was the best explanation ever published of formation of species. That's a quote. So he's kind of flipping between yes, I believe in Darwinism, and no, I don't yeah. because probably because of the public criticism, yeah, yeah. he did state that structurally gorillas are as close to humans as baboons are to gorillas. So I think he probably did end up believing in some sort of connection. But I don't know whether it's because of public scrutiny or because perhaps he was jealous that obviously Darwin had had the idea before he had. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so there was a guy called Thomas Henry Huxley, who was feuding with Owen and Darwin, basically because he was disputing this idea of evolution. Mm -hmm. And this led to a lot of conflict between Owen and Huxley, and um, they started to smear each other (laughs) publicly and privately. (laughs) And in 1871, Owen was involved in some sort of plan to end funding to Kew Gardens, which still exists today. Yeah, yeah. And they were trying to, like, get into the... (laughs) infiltrate the government to, like, stop their government funding. It was really weird. Um,
0: Gotta love a good 19th century feud. So
1: I did say at the beginning of this that Owen's a controversial figure, and we're just about to get into why. So, not only Huxley, but Owen is well known for being a bit of an ass. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Basically, he was always conflicting with his peers. He was described as malicious, dishonest, and hateful. Oh, his shit. biographer said he was driven by arrogance and jealousy, and he even had a penchant for sadism.
0: Oh, boy. Yeah,
1: so you're like, oh, great, this is cool like biologist paleontologist guy. What a G. No, no, no. Oh, he famously credited himself and... George um, Cuvier, another peer, for the discovery of the Iguanodon, leaving out other paleontologists, Gideon Mantel. So Gideon Mantel was another famous paleontologist at the time. Um, And eventually Owen was actually dismissed from the Royal Society's Geological Society for plagiarism because he did not discover this Iguanodon.
0: But he still got to head up the old... old, uh... Natural History Museum, despite being booted Absolutely. out. Absolutely.
1: Well, despite this, he was booted out of the Zoological Society. Oh, okay. Yeah, not of so. the Natural History Museum. But then Mantel, this other guy, suffered a terrible accident that left him completely crippled. Owen renamed several dinosaurs that had already been named by Mantel. Oh, man. Because the sky was now, like, crippled and couldn't do anything about it. That would be no, me, no, like. So that would be like us writing a book together, and then <laughs> us deciding on a name, or you deciding on a name. Me being like, "Yeah, that's really cool. I like it." And then you like, you know, having being a terrible bastard. Me being like, "Actually, no. I'm going to rename the book."
0: a... <laughs>
1: Seriously, up. like.
0: Yeah, what a bastard. Yeah,
1: so not a nice guy in the end. Yeah, he also basically completely ignored Mantel's contributions and genuine scientific content like that again that would be you like having some really awesome historical research and me just ignoring it and and (laughs) saying something completely different for example um, Mantel knew that some dinosaurs were bipedal as in they walked on two legs instead of four and yeah um, yeah owen just completely ignored this and so when he made like like dinosaur structures he mm-hmm. made them all walk on four legs when actually <laughs> stuff like as we know so he just like reshaped them yeah just went, oh, nice. as we know basically it's
0: just trump then he's <laughs> <laughs> got some facts he's just like no nope, no nope. a lot of
1: dinosaurs <laughs> that work on two, like for example the t-rex
0: Hang on, how is a T-Rex meant to walk on four? That is... See,
1: but I don't think they strange. had discovered the T-Rex at this point. Okay. But you know <laughs> what I mean. Like, I think even the one is on walks on two. Yeah. I should probably check that, but I'm not going <laughs> to. Um, Okay, so basically, and also with Darwin as well. So with Darwin, he had a feud, like, he started off good with Darwin and then got to feuding. And a lot of people nowadays... Say that it was because he was jealous that Darwin had yeah. come up with the idea of evolution before he had, and it does sound like yeah, it's <laughs> and um he basically Darwin said something about he loved that he hated him because he was <laughs> like, you know what, I hate this guy, but like actually, he's a great scientist. He started off so well with his reputation, and then it just completely tumbled down, like. In his life, by the end of his life, his reputation oh, was like in tatters because he of his plagiarism. Of spite and yeah. spite
0: and jealousy. He was just
1: jealous, he was arrogant and ugh, all this stuff.
0: At least he's not dueling people. That's that's something. Uh,
1: he probably would have tried to duel someone. <laughs> um he was the first director of the Natural History Museum, and until 2009, there was a statue of him at the Natural oh, History what? Museum, and then it was replaced by his old friend, Charles Darwin.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He's getting so many last laughs. I know, he's
1: like, I got the freaking statue. (laughs) So why did he get replaced?
0: What was the reason?
1: I guess nobody knows who Richard Owen is. (laughs) And everybody knows who (laughs) Charles Darwin is. So it makes more sense. And maybe because he was a plagiarizer (laughs) and an arrogant (laughs) twat.
0: And a bit of a dick.
1: I mean, I guess they probably put the statue up there in his lifetime or when he died, yeah. and it just kind of stayed there.
0: Whereabouts was it? Whereabouts was it placed?
1: Outside the natural history museum. Oh, Okay. Then. So if you go there, are they now... just
0: moved him somewhere else. Or are they just are they melting him down?
1: Oh, I don't know. I think he was just replaced. He must be some. Maybe he's in like the back hall with the uh, yeah. four-legged T-Rexes. <laughs> Um but he worked there all the way up until he was seventy-nine years old. So he's one of those people that just can't let go. Um in December eighteen eighty-three he was made a knight. He is actually Sir Richard Owen. Okay. And then he died in eighteen ninety two, and he's buried at Ham near Richmond.
0: Wow, so he nearly he's like he nearly saw out the entire nineteenth century.
1: Nearly, yeah. That's
0: an impression. That's that's an, like an achievement in itself.
1: <laughs> yeah, so he was born <laughs> um, during what? So 1804 is that? Oh God, was like, where's my history going? That's he was
0: born during the Napoleonic Wars.
1: Yeah, and then he and saw the crowning lasted. of Queen Victoria, yeah. which was in 1837, I think. Or oh, someone's going to history jet me. And then yeah, yeah, yeah obviously funny. she died in 1901. So. He died before she did.
0: Right, up to, like, the Boer War. Boers, like yeah, like...
1: end of 18... 1890s? 19... yeah. Seven, eight?
0: Yeah, something like that.
1: Yeah. And then it ended in, like, 1903 or something? Yeah.
0: 19, oh, Wow. Quite impressive innings. What did he die of? Just Old age, old age no I dropsy, think. Yeah. No Gal. Gal and Dropsy weren't really a thing then. Were
1: they? No They're Dropsy. Gone.
0: The heyday of Dropsy. Is, <laughs> We've
1: is, passed though. Yeah, he was pretty damn old. <laughs> so. Probably died of old age and arrogance. <laughs> I wanted to do him because he's the guy that came up with the, the word dinosaur. And I think that it's nice to know the name of the guy that came up with the word dinosaur. Yeah. But I also wanted to do him, because just because he came up with the word dinosaur doesn't mean that he didn't, he was a nice guy. Like, the fact that he just ignored other people's work, is so weird that he made all these amazing contributions, like being the first guy to discover certain things about different mammals, being the first guy to discover this animal existed, or you know, create a life-sized dinosaur. But then Took credit for other people's work—that's not something you can do yeah. in academia. It's just not allowed. Like it's
0: quite—it's <laughs> quite sad, actually. Like he couldn't—he couldn't find happiness or contentment in his own achievements. Yeah, of of which he had many, but he just—he couldn't settle for them.
1: Yeah, and he had like a wife and a kid, and I'd, they both died before he did.
0: Was there anything to do with him? Because yeah, you said he was quite sadistic. Where, where did this sadism come from? I actually don't uh, know
1: how they died. I didn't look it up. Um, duh, duh, duh. Somebody here describes Richard Owen as the greatest scientist you've never heard of.
0: The greatest scientist you've never heard of. I guess this is kind of like an area of history that's not really uh, covered. Strangely. Despite being like uh, of such kind of like wide interest, it's not something that schools ever seem to go into.
1: <laughs> he says, scratching his <laughs> nose. What are you cooking tonight, Dan? Go on tell her.
0: I am cooking what am I making? Oh, just a sausage pasta.
1: Nice. We're also having pasta, so without the sausages.
0: Sans <laughs> oh, yeah,
1: sausages.
0: Crazy non meat eating.
1: Um, are you very excited for the quiz that I'm writing first? I am. On Thursday, are you gonna win?
0: I'm hoping so. I'm not I'm pretty good at <laughs> Who wants to be a millionaire. So
1: everyone, I'm writing a quiz for me and my friends. And Dan is going to take part. There is a there's a history round. A history and music round, though. It's like a kind of history and history of music. But actually, you'd oh, okay, probably be good combined. at both of those things. So. Yeah. And there's going to be arts and literature, general knowledge, a film screen caps round, oh, a wow. spot the intro round, food and drink round, and a connections round. Ah, seven rounds really yeah
0: so you're gonna be showing like clips and everything it's gonna be, like be like be really high tech gonna be showing
1: pictures and I'm gonna be playing music and you're gonna love it whether you like it or not
0: I'm excited I'm gonna pop quiz this properly so I'm gonna get hammered <laughs> hammered
1: <laughs> you better do. and on that jolly note Everyone should please subscribe to our podcast because it is one thing that is going on right now.
0: Oh, yes. And it will continue to go on until the world actually ends. <laughs> Which could be soon. Which I will think. be before the end of our
1: natural <laughs> lives. So. Oh, dear. And follow us on Twitter at Have you Ever Pod. Bye. Bye.